0: All right, you can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you very much. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, all right? Thank you, you guys. Thank you. Have a seat, all right? Um, Miley, thank you. That was great. And don't let the piano player get away, because we're going to have you sing again a little while, a little longer. But um, that's awesome. We'll do it in a little bit. Hey, don't steal my show, okay? No, um, it's funny because we, uh, in just a little bit, um, the message that is, is, is a very serious one that I've thought out through for a while, and, and it's a message on something we all struggle with, pride. But uh, it's funny because the message is on pride, and today of all days, we pick the most grandiose way to enter into, uh, uh, into the chapel. You know, we just uh, make it, a, you know, we come walking in the back, you know, with the swagger, you know, the fundamental swagger. And it's Brother Teff, we just follow his lead, you know. Um, but, but I love Iles love Anderson Chapel, and it's just a time where the family gets together um, every day. And uh, the Lord has been, been gracious to us um, in, in the last few weeks, and, and he, I believe he's doing a great work. Uh, in the in the chapel services. and you know and and I know when 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 the Lord gives me the opportunity to preach here in chapel, I know it's from him, I know that. and but you're always worried, you know, and 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 the reason why we worry is we take too much upon us. you know that's why we worry, really. And uh, but the Lord is always gracious, you know, this morning, as we get the chapel service started, um, brother, Brother Lutz, and we don't coordinate this ahead of time. Brother Lutz picks uh, song two forty one, grace greater than sin. That's my favorite song, and so it's like God saying again, "I got this. Why do you worry?" It's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, and then uh, the Lord uh, has Miley sing, and Miley's one of my favorite singers. I really enjoy the way she sings, and it's almost like the Lord just kind of reconfirming that that He has everything. Right? Well, there's no need to worry. And uh, and I think that's why we worry too much is we take too much on us. And uh, it's good to have my wife here this morning, um, Karen. Can you, I hate doing this today, but could you stand so everybody can see you? Just stand real quick. Thank you. But some of you, if, if you take my classes, I, I share a lot of, a lot of uh, testimonies. And, and honestly, uh, and the Lord was kind uh, to me, to, to, to smile on me with, with an incredible uh, wife, like my wife Karen. And uh, it really is amazing. You know, you're always told how much, how much uh, more you can do for the Lord when you got the right partner, and that's so true and uh and i praise the lord for karen and she just encourages me motivates me helps me puts up with me and uh and 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 lord's been good to us um brother dave would you mind if i ask you right now not to sing but the the hymn 241 grace greater than sin would you sing the first and last stanza of that you don't have to stand up but i'll let brother dave come let's all turn 241 let's sing the stanza or two of that and uh just get our hearts ready for the preaching it's my favorite song and brother dave does a good job of, of leading it so we'll sing uh, the, 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 the 241 uh, let's
1: sing the first and, and last stanza yeah thanks alright here we go song number 241 that first and last verse everyone sing it out now marvelous grace of our loving Lord grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt Yeah. Verse now harmonize beautifully. Here we go, marvelous, infinite.
0: stray off the track if you have your bibles this morning uh, turn to proverbs 22 and verse 4 we'll get there in a second but let's pray and ask that the lord meet with us and we're in proverbs 22 and verse 4 let's pray father thank you for uh, this chapel service dear lord thank you lord that you're good thank you dear lord that you're so kind lord to put up with us dear lord in our weaknesses and our infirmities and more than put up with us lord you love us you're so kind and gracious to us Father, you invite us to partner with you, Lord. Father, you're big enough to where you could do it all on your own if you wanted to, but you're so kind to invite us on a journey, Lord. And Many of these young people have responded to that journey. They listened to your call. They listened to your touch, and they said yes to you, dear Lord. And Father, you never promised it would be an easy journey. You just promised that you'd be there with us on that journey. Father, I pray that our hearts today would be Challenged, I pray that sin and areas of our lives that need to be provoked and changed would be. I pray, dear Lord, that our attitudes would be corrected, Lord, and I pray that our focus would be you, would be Christ, Calvary, dear Lord, and the love that you have for this world, dear Lord. Bless us and meet with us, dear Lord, In this time, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Proverbs 22 and verse 4 says this. It says, by humility... And the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life by humility, and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. I think that riches, honor, and life sounds like a pretty good deal to me and you uh, to, to, to me and you today, but we live in a climate and culture that teaches the contrary. it says that you acquire riches and honor and life not by humility, not by humbling yourself, not by seeking the Lord but it encourages you to fight it out and to, 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 to scratch and claw your way to the top and, and, and see who survives, survival of the fittest, if you will. We live in a climate and a culture that truly believes that nice guys finish last. There's so many of us here that live with the attitude that if I ever get to the top, it'll be because I claw my way there, I push my way there, I scheme my way there. And the Bible tells us, quite frankly, that the way that we get honor and riches, prosperity and life, is through this vehicle called humility. Far too many of us think that we can connive our way to the top. The messages we hear across the television screen and the airwaves is you can't play fair and get ahead. But the verse that we just read a minute ago says that when we live a life of humility, one of the byproducts of that life is a life of riches and honor and life. You know, very easily, without even realizing it, pride is becomes very quickly on the radar screen of the believer it's something that we all have to deal with it's something that frankly we don't have to it it just happens to us just like dust accumulates on a a bureau that 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 is not cleaned and dust accumulates in in a house and you have to stay on top of it the dust of pride accumulates on our soul without even realizing it and i found over the years that some of the most uh, most uh, uh, perceived to be humble people are sometimes filled with the most pride I find that sometimes pride cloaks itself in a person of humility. And that seems to be an oxymoron, but I found a lot of perceived to be humble people that are filled with pride because pride creeps in all of us. You see, pride, uh, young people, I'll use this microphone uh, for a little bit here. Pride is an abomination to God. Pride's an abomination to God. We, don't, we hear a lot of talk about it. We hear a lot of preaching about it. We hear a lot of teaching about it. But it's, it's, it's time that all of us get on the same page with God about, about pride, and it's an abomination. Many years ago, we used to have a professor here by the name of Dr. Carl Lorent. And if you took Brother Carl Laurent for one of his classes, it didn't make a difference if you took minor prophets, major prophets. It didn't make a difference if you took Romans and Corinthians, personal evangelism. Every class, he had at least one of these assignments, and here was was the assignment. You had to look up every time the Bible used the word proud, pride, or proudly, and you had to document every time and then come up with a thesis statement. That was the whole assignment. I remember the first time I did that assignment, I, remember, I don't remember the class, but I remember I did that assignment, I turned it in, and I remember I got like a C or a D on it. And I went through, I, I looked at every verse, I wrote down every verse, and I, and I gave it to Brother Laurent, he looked at it, and he had a real gruff voice, and he said, you had the wrong thesis statement, Danny. Good Dr. Laurent impersonation? Brother Pins. is that all right? All right, yeah. He was psycho. One, one time I passed by his office, he, I was already on the staff, and he stopped me. He said, Danny, come in here. And I walked in there, and he said, You need to lose some weight, boy. (laughs) Pride proudly and pride. But I got the wrong thesis statement. Took another class with him. Did the same project. Turned it in. Got a C minus or a D. I said, Dr. Laurent. I said, what is, why did I get a C or D? He goes, he said, you got the wrong thesis statement. I said, what's the thesis statement then, sir? Help me. He said, I did all that, and I had you look up every verse to come to this conclusion. The Bible has nothing good to say about pride. Well, that stuck with me. As an 18, 19-year-old young man, that stuck in my mind. Now, it's been a journey to purge the the deep-rooted pride that's been in my life. But even as a 19, 20-year-old young man, I begin to understand that the Bible has nothing good to say about pride. It's an abomination. In some forms, it's us lifting ourselves above God. That's why the sin of sodomy is such an horrid abomination. Because it takes the institution of marriage and it just desecrates that marriage. Marriage is a reflection of God. The father in the home is a reflection of God the father. And in a homosexual, I'm not even going to call it a marriage, but in a homosexual union, that is, there will be no father there. And it's a slap in the face to the fatherhood of God. The union of two men is an, is an abhorrent teaching. It's not even a teaching, because marriage reflects the love of Jesus Christ to the church. God hates our pride. We need need to begin to see our pride as God sees it this morning. You see, without realizing it, pride creeps into our life, and it dominates our actions and our attitudes. Recently, as I began to read that verse, that passage, I was meditating it, that Proverbs 22, I was meditating in, 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 in my personal devotion. I realized that even even the most sincere of us, pride begins to creep in my life, in our lives. As I meditated, the Lord seemed to say, you know, pride's an illness, Danny. Just like any other illness from time to time, you need a screening. Sometimes when you're having some symptoms, you run to the doctor, and the doctor asks you a few questions. And based on how you answer those questions, the doctor says, you know what? I think you may have, and he gives you the illness. And then he maybe prescribes some further research or some further exams that you need to take. As I was meditating on this, the Lord seemed to ask me some questions and said, Danny, let's, let's have a pride screening today. The Lord, in personal devotion, gave me a pride screening. And based on some of my answers, I realized there was a lot more pride in me than I thought there was. This morning, I'd like to share with you that pride screening that God gave me. Because today, based on your answers to these questions, I'm not saying you're a proud person, but based on how you answer six questions that I'm going to ask you today, you may need to do a little bit more soul searching. You may not be as humble as the person you're, per- you're perceived to be. You know, it doesn't make a difference what I think about you. I can look at you and say, you a very humble person, but my opinion doesn't matter. There's only one opinion who matters about my soul's condition, and that's God Almighty. And some of you around here, you may have a reputation for being humble you may be have a reputation around here for being a nice guy but can i tell you something the opinions of others doesn't matter there's only one opinion that counts and that's god's opinion and any pride in our life is an abomination and i know some of you already you've already tuned me out you've already you've already gone into into your world because and i'll tell you what it is it's pride let's go over this pride screening today and I, i wrestled with this i really did because because I, I don't like to be too intense when I preach, but I really believe the Lord started a work last Thursday uh, when Brother Horton was preaching and teaching. I believe he started a work, and he continued it on through, through, through here recently, and then yesterday with Brother Lamb teaching and preaching, and the mood has gone just a little bit somber here in the school, and I think we need, to, I think we need some introspection. I think some of you need to do some real soul-searching in yourself, and, and, and the staff members, myself included, really need to look inward and say, are we, are, have, we been, have we been bitten with this, with this pride cancer? Let me ask six questions today, and I'll, be, I'll, I'll try to be as brief as I can. I'm not promising you to get out early, but, but I do have two specials planned. Miley, I'm oh, sure, okay. But uh, let me give you this pride screening. First of all, if you want to write, that's fine. But first of all, I want to say this. Number one, the question I ask myself is, how am I responding to correction? How am I responding to correction? Ask yourself right now in the back of your mind, how do you respond when people correct you? Can I be frank with you? A lot of us like to be the correctors. We like to tell people, hey, you need to change that. You need to do this. This is what you need to do. But let me, let's turn the tables on. How are you about being corrected? Have you come to the point when, when people correct you? Man, the hair on the back of your neck stands up and says, who are they? What right do they have to point out something? Look, let's look at a few verses real quick. Look with me to Proverbs. We're in Proverbs 22, Proverbs 15, 10. And, and uh, are we okay? We're all okay, right? All right? You like preaching, right? Okay. I, need, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to stroke my ego by you saying amen, but every now and then I would like to hear an amen just to hear somebody is with me, and I'm not like on Mars somewhere. But, uh, but Proverbs 15.10 says this. It says, correction is grievous unto him, notice this, that forsaketh the way. In other words, the only, pro- the only person that really has a problem with being corrected is the person who's forsaken the way. A person who's sincere and is humble and says, I want to do right. I want to be on the right path. I want to wake up down here and be an 80, 90, 100-year-old person serving the Lord. I want that sincere person says, you know what? I invite correction. Correct me. The Bible tells us the only person that has a hard time with correction is the person who's forsaken the way. And if you're struggling with somebody correcting you this morning, that means somewhere in your heart or mind you've abandoned the way. Maybe you've given up on Christianity and you're just going through the motions and, and somebody correcting you is just revealing to you hey you've abandoned the faith in your heart you're just a few days abandoning the faith with your body and your physical being How are we when people correct us You see you know and I'm not and I I try to be neutral on this I understand there's 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 people here that that that, that their job is, is to kind of infer certain standards and all of us do to a degree But how is it, how how do you respond when somebody corrects your dress appearance? To the person who's abandoned the way in their heart, they get real bent out of shape about it. But the sincere person that says, you know what? I really want to do right. Thank you for pointing that out. You young men that your hair is your trophy. I saw a picture yesterday on Facebook that when I was a college student, I look, I go, I did have hair, I did have hair. But for some of you, it is an idol. And a staff member corrects you and says, hey, you need to to cut that up a little bit. And you respond a certain way, it's revealing nothing more than pride. The sincere person says, in my heart, I wanna do right. And if you're correcting me to keep me on the way, I invite that correction. You see, the Bible tells us that a wise man receives correction, but a foolish man gets angry at any type of correction. Are you short with people in your life? when they point out areas that you need improvement? Somebody's trying to help you get better and you're just constantly getting bent out of shape. Pride may have crept in. And that goes for us as well as staff members. When our bosses and our employers correct us, do we get all bent out of shape about it? It just means pride has crept in. A person who sincerely wants to do right says, correct me, I don't want to go off the path. Are we okay with this? And I'm going, to tell you about, I'm going to tell you about one of the most vile forms of pride. You ready? It's called passive pride. Because some of you, and some of us, when somebody calls us on something, or some of you, it's overt. It's, you, make, you, make, you, you get angry with them. You get in their face. But some of you, it's passive. Somebody corrects you, and you don't speak to them for three days. You know what you've told them with your passive way? Don't ever correct me again. Somebody approaches you to correct you, and it's the silent treatment for the rest of the semester. Can I tell you what that is? That's pride. That's pride. Man, t- I wish I would have had a fun. I wish I would had a Charlie Mike sermon, man. I'm sorry, brother Tev. You know, some of you with, with your demeanor, you give this aura about you. Don't even correct me. And it's like you almost have a sixth sense when somebody's about to say something to you and it's a passive form. It's, you get this, you puff up and you give them that look like, I know what you're going to talk to, don't, don't talk to me about it. Don't talk to me about it. There's tons, and you know what, can I, can I say this? A humble person, when you give off that, is not going to correct you. Immediately they're going to say, that person does not want to stay on the way. They've already abandoned the way in their heart. Look, some of you guys on here, you you, you not... I don't want to beat up on it you, because you're, you're good young people. You really are. But I believe somebody needs to teach you this. Well, some of you are constantly, you, you, you puff up and you, you, give us this, you give us this look that says, I know what you want to do, but don't even think about it. And, and can I tell you, a humble person is not going to correct you. How do you respond to correction? Do you become sullen, withdrawn, and resentful when people correct you? That means pride's corrective. That goes for all of us. I'm preaching to myself today. When one of my bosses corrects me, Brother Wilkerson corrects me, do I shut down and my shoulders droop forward? A humble person responds and says, I didn't realize that what I was doing was taking me off the way. I'll correct it. There's a second question. There's a second question you need to ask yourself today in this pride screening. This first one pretty tough. Was it pretty tough? I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll loose off the neck there for a second, all right? I'm strangling you. I get intense, man, when I preach. all right, Brother Fokey? Are you okay? Second thing is this. And this goes, for, again, all of us need to look at this. Because all of us think that carrying, carrying the big King James Bible under the arm with our head bowed like this, we're just so So humble are we? Try to correct that person. They'll slap you upside the head with an activity report. <laughs> oh, we're all right. Oh, yeah. We got a lot more pride than we think we do. Second question on our screening, Doctor Mendez. I just gave myself an honorary doctorate. Pride. Uh, number two. Ask yourself this question. How am I responding to criticism? How am I responding to criticism? You know, we'll talk about this here in a second, but a humble person understands that sooner or later I will be criticized. It comes with the territory. But proud people says, how dare you? How dare you criticize me? Don't you understand that everything I say is infallible because I say it? don't you know how long I've been serving the Lord and you dare to challenge me? Brother, you better go to your prayer closet because some pride's crept in. Some pride is crept in. I can get that way. If I hear somebody criticizing me, man, I want to jump out and reach out and touch someone, all right? I don't, but I have to understand this, that a, that a, that a humble person understands the criticism comes with the territory you know some of you you know if you find out somebody's been criticizing you back home or on a facebook page immediately it's let's take this to the airwaves and you're 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 fighting each other on facebook and on twitter and on this and on that and it's what you're saying with each pong. you're saying i'm proud no i'm prouder (laughs) no i'm prouder how do you respond to criticism go with me real quick. Man, I want to run out of time here. 2 Samuel, and I'm having fun, man. I'm like... I'm having fun because I've already dealt with this stuff in my life. And... <laughs> now I'm trying to deal with you, amen? 2 Samuel 16. 2 Samuel 16. I think that's it. In verses 5 through 9. Let's go there real quick. It's good what the Bible says, amen? But it says here in verse 5, this guy Shimmai. Shimei. How many of you know who Shimei is? You know why you don't? Because he's a peon, right? He's a nobody. He's a nothing. He doesn't count. I asked, who's Shimei? Four people raised their hands. But watch what David does in this passage in verse 5. And when King David came to Beharam, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerah. He came forth and cursed still as he came. So this little peon is criticizing King David. How many heard of David? Okay, I think he's a little bit bigger, right? And so Shimei is cursing him. And he goes on to this in verse 6 it says, and he what? And he cast stones at David. And that all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand on his left. And this and thus said Shimei when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man. Look, look at uh, verse uh, 10, or verse 9, it says, Then Abishai the son of Zariah unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. But watch what King David says. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zariah? So let him curse. Because the Lord has said unto him, curse David. Can I tell you something? Every now and then, God raises up people to criticize you. How are you responding to that? You mean every move you've ever made was right? Every decision you've ever made was right? I think when that attitude starts to come up into us, we can Sure that pride has started to creep in. You see, nobody likes criticism, but what's your response to it? Are you trying to bully your critics? Are you trying to shut them up? Trying to silence them, expose them? That's an attitude of pride. Are you taking the social media to destroy your critics? Do you feel infallible? The way we respond to criticism shows either a heart of humility or a heart of pride the humble man realizes all of us sooner or later will be challenged. The humble person realizes that there's always some truth in criticism. I've found over the years as people have criticized me, I said, you know what? There is some truth to that. How are you responding to criticism? Young person. Do you want to go find that guy and chop his head off like that guy did? Here's how David did. Let him go. David said, we need it. (laughs) There's times I have to be honest with myself and say, I need that criticism. I need somebody to call me on some stuff. Third question I want you to ask, we've got to go quickly here. Third question we need to ask, I said the first one was, how am I responding to correction? How am I responding to uh, criticism? Thirdly, how am I responding to people not following my leadership? How am I responding to people not... All of us, to some degree, are leaders, Right? Right? And some of us in our life, a time or two, are going to look back and realize nobody's following. Like what Brother Wilkerson says, if, you, if, you're, if you're out front and nobody's behind you, you're just on a long walk. I like that. It's funny. But humility and pride respond differently. Humility says, what do I need to change about my leadership to get that person to follow Pride says, sorry, but with all due respect, sir, you will follow. How are you responding to people not following your leadership? Just jot down a verse, and I'll let you look it up a little bit later. John 6, and 67. Very famous passages. Here's what Jesus said. From that time forth, many many of his disciples walked away, right? And here's what Jesus went and did. He went and found every single one of them, confronted them, and said, let me tell you something. You know who I am? You better get back in here. Here's what Jesus said. I can't make them follow me. Some of you, pride has crept in, and it's evident in your attitude about your leadership. You're trying to track people down and make them follow you. You're pestering them and you're badgering them and you're, and you're gestapoing them and you're and you're bullying them and you're manipulating them. Let me just say this that's not the way Jesus led. <laughs> Students, I want you to serve the Lord. I want you to follow Christ. But can I tell you something? I can't make you follow Christ. That's why in my classes, I don't go, I don't leave every single day at one o'clock wanting to put a gun to my head because I got a bunch of kids that don't pay attention, don't listen, don't want to serve the Lord. That's your problem. I can't make you serve the Lord. I can't make you follow the Lord. And it's pride that says, I can change you. I wonder how many proud bus captains we have here. Your attitude is, I will change that kid, I will change your life. It's that attitude that gets us in problems. It's that attitude that makes us contort the scriptures in certain ways that puts pressure on people because we're trying to make them. And let me just say that's pride. I'm sorry. I know this is getting kind of quiet, but, 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 but we, need, we need this. The proud man wants to will people into following him. The humble man realizes the only true power he has is the power of influence. You know, I had, I've struggled with pride issues for years. Just being transparent struggling, and, and, and I found out some of the most pride-filled people didn't grow up in upper upper, upper middle class homes, rich homes, they grew up in poor homes they grew up self-observed all the pain and abuse have turned inward, there's a lot of you, you've turned inward all your life, you're full of pride, you got to deal with it I'm one of those people over the years, I've tried to purge this pride but I get filled up with pride over and over again and the last episode that God used to purge me of some pride in my life was the dating relationship with my wife we, we, we were dating for a while and she broke up with me and I've used this before but 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 God used that breakup to, to make me look at some pride right in the face and you know what I faced that pride and dealt with it there was an April there was an April we sat down at McDonald's and I, and, and, and I know she's okay with me telling the story we sat down at McDonald's and we were, we were talking through whether or not we were going to continue to date and, and, and take this thing forward and here's what I told her I told I, I, I told her listen I said if you're if you're waiting on, on, if you're waiting to make a decision because you think you're going to hurt me, if you say no and you don't feel like dating and you need to walk away, I said, can I tell you something? You're not going to hurt me. And I didn't do it a problem. I said, you're not going to hurt me. I said, go ahead and tell me no and and I'll just move on. Here's what she said. She said she looked me in the eye and she said she knew I was serious. She knew that I was willing to walk away from this. I wasn't going to make her follow me. I wasn't going to make her continue this dating relationship she said when i did that something registered It said he's serious and he may just walk away then she started singing that song i saw the light i saw the light she knew this train was pulling out literally but it wasn't until the lord humbled me that i realized i can't make some of you are trying to make that girlfriend fall in love with you. Good luck. <laughs> Some of you are trying to make that guy marry you. Good luck. <laughs> Pride says, I will will you to follow me. Humility says, the only power I have is the power to influence you, to, to, to come follow me. I've got a little bit more, but I've asked Brother Dave Lutz. Can you guys sing that chorus real quick? We're getting a little bit intense, and I need to change direction a little bit. They're gonna, he's going to sing Psalm 139 and uh, put a little love back in us, amen, and I'll come finish it off. You, sing, you can stay seated, and then uh, just, if you wouldn't mind, just sing that Psalm 139.
1: All right, everyone, sing it with me now. Ready? How precious also are thy thoughts. Here we go. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me.
0: psalm 139 is just simply the prayer of, of david saying help me help me realize how much you love me so I, so I can follow you and when pride creeps in we're trying to make people follow us and follow our leadership and humility is realizing the only thing i can do is set an example be an influence and let the lord work in your heart some of you need to back off a little bit and some of us need to back off a little bit on some of you realizing we can't change you Trust me. I wanted to come in this morning and just rip the. Ho- I am ripping off, but it's, it's this wasn't the style I wanted to go. But but I realized God told me, Danny, you can't change those kids. And honestly, it's not my job to change you. Some of you, God Himself can't change you, and I'm and I'm going to do it. No. Fourthly, fourth question, on this pride screening. While well, you finding out we got a little bit of pride. Fourth is this. Do I have an agenda? Do I have an agenda? Ask yourself. The Apostle Paul gave his agenda. You ready? Galatians 4:19. He said this. You can write that down. Look it up later. He said this. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. That was Paul's only agenda. I got one goal, and that's that Christ be formed in you. Do you have an agenda? Do I have an agenda? If it's anything other than Christ being formed in our followers, pride has crept in. Are you trying to make a name for yourself? Pride's crept in. Are you trying to build an organization, build a kingdom? Why are you trying to build that bus route? Why? Think about that. If the answer is, I want Christ to be formed in my bus workers, I want Christ to be formed in these young people, you're on to something. But if it's any other reason other than that, Pride has crept in. You see, this was the hope of the Apostle Paul. Has an agenda taken over your life? Is it building a church? Is it building a ministry? Is it building a name, a kingdom? Is it bringing change to a movement or an organization? Pride's crept in. Me and my wife co teach a Sunday school class with Brother Hooker at the the, the church, and the Lord has just blessed that class we're doing. We, We love that class. And people are coming and, 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 and it's growing and, and often we have to stop and I have to look at my wife and I have to ask and we have talked to each other why do we want more people to come why if the answer is because we want them to experience Christ we're good any other answer is pride why do you want to build that Sunday school class? Why do you want to build that Bible club? Why do you want to build that prayer meeting? Why do you want to build that? If the answer is anything other than that Christ be formed in them, pride has crept in. Number five. And I'm almost done here. Isn't that good news? I'm almost done. Number, six, number five. Fifth question on our pride screening How am I treating those who cannot help me? How am I treating those? Luke chapter 6 and verse 32. Let's look at that verse because this is something that, that Jesus said in the New Testament while he was here on earth. In uh, uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 32, you guys are doing great, and I appreciate your attentiveness. But the Bible says this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 32. For if ye love, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, What thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. Verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great in heaven. What is Jesus saying? He's saying here, don't be a respecter of persons. I'm just speaking from the heart, and I'm trying to get this across to as many people as will listen, is we've got to stop being a respecter of persons. Do you understand that when you students are in my classroom, I'm just, I'm just speaking from the heart here. It's the only way I know how to speak. I don't say that's a pastor's son, that's a plumber's son. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that stuff. You're all dumb college students to me. It's just the way I roll, just the way I roll. Wasn't that proud? But we respect persons. Well, if, if this person says something, I'll listen to it. But if that person, well, he's just a kind of peon on here. No, 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 no. Pastor school—we're always—we don't have pastors' school anymore. But we're always shaking somebody's hand, seeing if there's somebody higher up I can find. We got to quit doing that. You know, I the pins—I love Brother the pins. He's one of my. I love him. I, I love him because he genuinely. I believe he's a humble man. You know. And I'm, I'm the reason why I'm calling on him because I know. I know he's we're, we're co-laborers. But you know, when a guest speaker comes here, I love the guest speaker. I honor him. I shake his hand. But you know what? He's just as important. He's my coworker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good to somebody because man, if I shake his hand right and give him a twinkle in the eye, he may have me come preach a youth conference for him. Brother Penn's, the only thing he can show me is the difference between a Hebrew adjective and adverb, and I still can't get it. You know, far too many of us put people in piles. People don't belong in piles, they belong in our heart. It's like, if you've started to respect people's person, pride has started to creep in. You see, Pride takes up residency sometime in the most humblest of people because we're respecters of persons. You may have a reputation of humility but if you're operating from a caste system you're full of pride. It's time to be honest and face that. Then lastly, number six. The sixth question to ask on our prayer screening. This is going to get all of us. We haven't got no, this will get all of us. And that's this. How's my prayer life? How's my prayer you know when you go to the doctor and they want to check your heart, they just put a finger or two down here by your wrist and they can check your pulse. Based on that little pressure point, they know how your heart's doing. If you want to see how much pride has crept in, look at your prayer life. Nothing screams pride like our lack of prayer. Because here's here's what a lack of prayer is, ready? Here's what a lack of prayer is. I got this. I got this. We go to our bus routes, I got this. We go to our classes, I got this. We come to chapel services, I got this. Nothing shows how much pride has come in like our prayer life. Can I I just be honest with you, young people? When you say to God, I got this, something's got you. I promise you that. promise you we have we have addicts in this place you're addicted to something some of you it's substance that we just preach totally against but other of you are addicted to internet you have all kinds of addictions all over this place because that's how you make it through the day prayer says i need you but you found something else some of you it's a relationship it's seven eight hundred nine hundred texts a month yeah, I got this. Yeah, something's got you. Something's got you. And until we break all the addictions in here, all the all the all the things that we're, all the idols that we're turning to instead of Him, we'll always struggle with pride. It is the number one sin that people have have thrown at us and said, "This is what you are. This is what you are. This is what." You are, and we refuse to deal with it because every every day we have our methods for the day. We got this. We have our youth. We got this. And while we're doing that, something's got us. I trust me. I fought preaching this message because I know the tone is a little bit—it's a little bit tense. I know that, but I want to say this: if something's got you, it's called an idol. And today, some of us today, in the brief minutes I have, I want to say this some of us today have to crush some idols. At the root of all pride is an idol. Do you understand that? At the root of all pride is an idol. An organization can become an idol. A movement can become an idol. At the heart of every idol, the heart of pride is an idol. A boyfriend, girlfriend, relationship. Food can be an idol, drugs can be an idol, pornography can be an idol. But you trace pride, you'll always find an idol. This is why God commanded Joshua to go into the into the promised land. And did he say to salvage anybody? He said crush them all. Because people that are given to idolatry can very seldom be salvaged. You better deal with your idols. I know it's quiet students, but I love you from the bottom of my heart and I'm tired of it. Tired of myself walking in pride. Tired of you walking in pride. Let me give you four quick thoughts and I'm done. First of all, identify, identify the idol. That's called introspection. Some of us need to go on a walk and just say, Lord, what have I made an idol? For some of us, it's the past. Oh, the glory days. Go back there. It wasn't as glorious as you think it was. introspection number two crush the idol that's called repentance that causes from this day forward I'm getting rid of all of it. I'm going on a hunt I'm purging it it's gone that's called repentance. Thirdly I said first of all identify the idol secondly crush the idol number three break number three break, number three break the bond of the idol and that's called confession. Some of you last Thursday you raised your hand people prayed with you, and you went to the doorstep of revival in your life but you just stopped one step short that thing still got you you want to break the bond of it it's called confession we're men you don't confess to us for forgiveness of sin, that's him but the Bible teaches the principle in the book of Galatians, the book of James when you confess your faults once another it loses the bonds of that, of that uh, uh, grip of that sin I said number one identify the idols That's called introspection. Crush the idol. That's called repentance. Third, break the bond of the idol. That's called confession. And then number four, break the draw of the idol. That's called fasting. Some of you, you can't resist that idol. It just pulls you in. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, that fasting purges us from the draw of an idol. Some of you, it's like a magnet. You're drawn to it. The only way you break it, break the draw, is by fasting. Say, Lord, fasting and humiliation and repentance. Look with me. One, one last verse, and I'm done. Psalm 131, verse 1. Psalm 131, verse 1. Psalm 131, verse 1, says this. This is David speaking again. And he says, Lord... My heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. David said, I've come to a place of humility again, Lord, and I'm not getting involved in things you've not asked me to get involved in. You know, we're fighting too many things God hasn't asked us to fight, because we're doing it from a spirit of pride. I gave you six questions to ask yourself today—a screening. Did you find some pride in your life? I not even—I'm saying, did you find some symptoms of pride? Maybe you need to spend some time this afternoon in introspection and say, say, "Lord, show me where that pride is coming from." Lord, I'm going to break that pride. I don't care who—I don't care what I've got to do. I don't care what I've got to tear up. I don't care who I've got to tell. I'm going to break it. Lord, I'm going to going to fast to break the draw of that idol. If we don't deal with these idols, we're not purging the pride. And pride's the problem. It's the problem for you, and it's the problem for me. It's very subtle, and it creeps back in. And I don't care how, how what your demeanor is, what your body language is. Pride is a condition of the heart. We have some of the best disguised pride people. They look humble, but at the core, I'm talking about myself, I deal with pride issues. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, take, I pray that you take a very somber message. I probably went a little too somber, more than my liking. But, Father, I know, Father, that, that all of us deal with this. Man, this is the struggle of my life, Lord. And, Father, we all have to deal with this, Lord. And, Father, today I know there's some young people, Lord, they're trying to will things to happen. And, 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 they're, and, 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 and when people correct them, Lord, they're, they're just getting bristled and, 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 they, and they're not responding the right way. And then i think there's some of us father that 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 just criticism we don't even listen to it because we don't want to know father i think that also father many of us have become guilty lord of putting people in categories those that can help us and those who can't i pray that we would address this issue i pray that we begin to see everybody Lord, as a child of god as someone that, that needs us now, we've got folks at the altar. I, didn't, I, I went too long, and I didn't want to have an altar call. I went a little too long. But I want to give some time for the folks up here. But, but the only thing I want to ask you today, students, is that would you please, and staff and faculty, us, all of us, would you please set aside a little bit of time to look deep inside and really ask the Lord and say, Father, what am, what am I so proud about? What's the idol, dear Lord, that is bringing this pride out in? Father, again, Lord, I I don't apologize for preaching this message. I believe with all my heart it's the message you laid on my heart, Father. I do apologize, dear Lord, for being such a poor example of humility, dear Lord. Father, there's so many other people, Lord, that that represent true Bible humility much more than I do. But, Father, I know that if pride is not corrected, the only way you deal with pride, Lord, in the Bible over and over, idolatry, dear Lord, is total annihilation, Father. Total annihilation. Total humiliation. Father, I pray that we would humble ourselves so that this would not have to happen in our lives. Why do you take a moment to go back to your seats. I know we've, we've ended on a different note, Brother Taft. I'll let you figure out how to, how to transition, but, but uh, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed as, as, uh, as these go back to their seats, and I'll, I'll turn it over to Brother Teft.